Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Bikini Podcast, the podcast that's all about embracing confidence, style, and a little bit of sunshine. I'm your host, Troy, and today we're going to be into episode 82. Can you believe it? It's a special one because it's all about you, our amazing listeners. We've been receiving some fantastic questions, all being submitted through Instagram and not going to lie, and we're going to provide you with answers and insights that will help you understand bikini and rock that bikini and confidence if you're competing. So let's jump right into the questions. So let's kick things off with a splash. Our first listener question comes from not gonna lie because probably didn't have the courage to submit this real question through Instagram with the name behind it. So thoughts on the girl who placed third in amateurs at WBFF Worlds who won her pro card. Her condition wouldn't even get her top 10 in Australia. She isn't pro worthy at all. Now I don't know how conditioned we need to be for November. So in this situation, first and foremost, I would listen to your coach. Listen to your coach. Execute the game plan that's given. That's first and foremost. Most of the time, ladies aren't even in a condition that they can be in, and they probably underestimate what it takes to get, to get into a level of condition that's required, not just for WBFF, but for any federation. So my advice would be to execute the coach's game plan and... If you do that, you're probably gonna be in a position where you're gonna be in the mix, should you be in the mix for a pro card. If you have a pro-worthy physique, if you have pro-level density, if you have pro-level posing, controlling the variables that you can control and giving your best is all you can, is all you can do. I wouldn't be too concerned of worrying about the you know, competitors that were overseas. I mean, you, as a judge, right, if you're gonna be judging a show, you can only judge the ladies that are up on stage. If it's a quality lineup, there might be three, there might be four, there might be five competitors that are competing at a high level. There may only be one standout competitor in a height class. Every show is different. So you need to bring in your physique to the best of your ability for November, control your variables, and let the judges make the decision on the day. So the next question is, what are some qualities that a girl should have to be successful in bikini? We're talking about physique, structure, and mindset-wise. So. A coachable mindset is probably the most underrated quality that one can have. I think the industry is a breeding ground for insecurities, a breeding ground for people who think they know everything. And a lot of competitors, not just ladies, but particularly even the males, think they know more than the coach. And if that's the case, if you don't respect and if you don't trust your coach, how can you execute a game plan and be working towards a goal together? It's just not gonna happen. So I think having a coachable attitude is very important. Executing the game plan is really important, as mentioned in the previous question, and understanding that there's always room for improvement. If you know that you can always improve your posing, if you know you can always improve the level of density and balance that you have, and the condition, you know, you can always improve your stage presence. There's always something that you can focus on. So I would look at it from the perspective of, what can I do to be a better athlete? And then are you doing that? Is your coach giving you the best possible game plan to execute, right? And does your coach have the experience? Does your coach produce winners, ladies? So many times I see this, like I've got the right attitude, but I've got the wrong coach. Well, first and foremost, are you actually selecting a coach that has proven results, that has a proven track record, that actually wins contests? If you have joined a team, right, that does not win, you probably won't either. Like attracts like, winners attract winners, losers attract losers. If your coach loses all the time, and doesn't actually win, doesn't have any pro cards, do you think you're gonna be the one that's gonna change anything? Probably not. He doesn't have the experience or she doesn't have the experience that is needed, that is required to go to that next level, 
Sure, they might, might produce decent results, but we're not after decent here. If you're after the best of the best and you want to be the best, why wouldn't you hire the best? Why wouldn't you hire the person that is gonna put you in that position to earn a pro card, to go to the next level, and to bring out the most in your physique? A lot of coaches will promise the world, but they will under deliver. And you cannot argue with results. You cannot argue with pro card wins. You cannot argue with overall wins. For some reason, so many ladies forget that results matter. Your coach can talk the talk, but if they ain't walking the walk and if they don't have the results to back up what they're saying, they can promise you everything in the world. I've got the knowledge, I've got this, I've got that. Okay, prove it. Have you proved it once? How many pro cards do you have? How many overall wins do you have? How many national champions do you have? Well, the proof is in the pudding. Results do the talking. So going back to the question, I would connect with a coach that has the right mindset, that has the right attitude, that also has the ability to produce and capability to produce the results and has a proven track record, but you need to be willing to step it up. You need to be a coachable athlete. You need to be willing to do whatever it takes. And in terms of physique structure, a great shoulder to waist ratio, a small waist, broad shoulders, really nice feminine proportion. Not everyone has a small waist, but you can create the illusion of a small waist with posing and with building your proportions in the right way. So having a complete balanced physique. If you have a great top to bottom balance, that's probably half the battle. Then the next thing is obviously working on your posing, but physique structure, I think aiming to build towards the bikini criteria is a must. And what is the bikini criteria? Talk to a coach that has a proven track record producing winners in the bikini division. No winners, no discussion as far as I'm concerned. So the question here is, do you have favorites for season A? I'm assuming this would be in relation to the IFBB. I think let's just focus on the season that's ahead of us, the ladies that are competing in both the IFBB and WBFF, and let's enjoy the level of talent, the level of athletes that are, that are coming up in the sport. We've got some really good veterans returning to compete. We've also got some very exciting first-timers with amazing structures that are about to compete. So let's actually enjoy uh, the competition that's to come. I would say, however, though, the New South Wales State Show is probably looking like the most stacked show out of all the states so far with a number of competitors. There are good competitors in every state, but I definitely feel like the New South Wales, um, particularly in the first time, is, is actually crazy depth, like crazy, crazy level depth. So it'll be really interesting to see how these ladies look on show day. So this question has been submitted through, not gonna lie, and of course the most interesting ones are, when will you ladies develop the courage to actually submit a question like a normal functional human being through the regular Instagram question box? Do you think WBFF is rigged or shows favoritism, especially in the USA? It's really uh, a big business and some of the money that competitors pay sounds outrageous. I, su I suppose, look, at the end of the day, it comes down to the competitor. You know, how much money do they wanna spend on a bikini? How much money do they wanna spend on photo shoots? What is their budget, the evening gown, etc.? Every federation has pros and cons. It doesn't matter what you compete in. And the reality is this, I truly believe when it comes to favoritism, Everyone has a best friend. Everyone has a favorite cuisine. Some people like Thai food the best. Some people like Italian food the best. There are always preferences and there's always a level of favoritism with everything in life. You have a best friend, you have a wife, you have a husband. Everyone has their favorite person. So to suggest that there isn't favoritism in any federation, I would say perhaps could be questionable. I think that everyone has a favorite athlete. Everyone has their role model in life. And although I do think that there are judging standards and I do think that 
it is important to uphold the standard. It sometimes, in some cases, might be challenging to do that. And that could be because you have a personal relationship with someone that is competing, whether it's the IFBB, whether it's WBFF. I think that there needs to be a level of professionalism on the judging panel. I think that it's very important that coaches and clients aren't on the panel. I think it's important that if you do have a personal relationship with a, with a competitor, that if you're a judge, I would believe that you need to step off the panel. So it's, it's something that obviously is always gonna be left open. I suppose, you know, what would be really interesting is to see in the Olympics, you know, what do they allow in the Olympic games? How is it judged? So for example, if you have, let's say ice skating, the amount of judges uh, that, that are on the panel, you, I believe you have representatives in every country. So it's a very diverse panel. I like the idea of having a diverse panel. I think that the, every system could be improved. I don't think that any system's perfect, but I would like to see transparency in judging. I definitely think scorecards are very important. And I think having transparency with scorecards is a very important feature to have. So the next question, not gonna lie. Athletes that Photoshop their pictures seem to be everywhere. As a coach, would you call your team out on it if you saw them doing this? If I saw a competitor doing it and I knew they were doing it, I'd message them. If they were on the team, I'd say, hey, listen, what are you doing? You know, that actually looks retarded. If someone was actually Photoshopping and cutting their waist in or whatever it was and I, I, I knew about it and I could see it, I would most certainly message them. I think it's def definitely hard to keep track of what people upload, whether they're on the team or not. I don't look at those specifics and really spend time into looking at if something's edited. But I think in some cases you have you know, a waist that's photoshopped in dramatically. I think you'll have you know, body fat that's removed from the legs and all these other things. Look, at the end of the day, it's up to the individual. If they wanna up upload something crazy on Instagram, they wanna edit the shit out of their photos, it's gonna be very obvious to people that are paying attention and it's just gonna look poorly on them. So a question submitted through Not Gonna Lie, and this is related to the WBFF. Why is Taylor, so Taylor Hicks I'm assuming, not competing in the US anymore? What are your thoughts on the bikini results? So this would be a question that would be great to ask Taylor, right? I think it's uh, from an outside perspective, I haven't had a conversation obviously with her, so I would assume that there might be a little bit of frustration and disappointment involved in the decision. I mean, she didn't place top three at Worlds, and I think that would be challenging. You know, obviously, I would look at it from this perspective. Tani came in, who's the reigning WBFF Australian pro champion and ends up placing second or runner up at the world championships and Taylor doesn't place in the top three. I mean, what do you do? You know, Tani has now beaten you twice and has solidified herself as the best Australian pro WBFF bikini athlete. So what do you do if you're Taylor? I, I mean, I would get, first of all, getting feedback from the judging panel at Worlds and saying, okay, what do I need to do to improve on? My, my package, what do I need to do to get in the top three? What do I need to do to win the show? What can I do, if anything? What are the improvements that I need to make? I think that any athlete can really self-assess and I think a coach can assess their athlete's physique and really go, yep, this is where we went wrong. I think there's always room for improvement, no matter how great of an athlete you are. And if that was me, I would look at it from that perspective. I look at it from that perspective as well. I think, you know, as great as someone is, whether they win or whether they don't, there's always an opportunity to improve and I think it's important to have that mindset of what needs to be improved on. And speaking of which, Tani placing second at WBFF World, which was an incredible result for her debut at a World Championship event. 
I look at Tani's physique and I see things that we can improve on for next time too. Although I, will, I must say this, I purposely brought in Tani and Tani and I, we, we brought in a physique together to abide by the USA bikini judging standards, the criteria in the USA and really abiding by that world criteria. And that's what we did. And because we were within the guidelines, we were rewarded with a second place finish. I personally had Tani winning, that's fine. And although regardless of whether or not she won, second place is an, an incredible achievement, there are things that we can do to improve. And I know that and Tani knows that we've had a discussion and that's what any athlete needs to do. And that's what any coach and athlete relationship, they need to be able to discuss things openly and think about what can be done better next time. And if you have that mindset of what can be better next time and you understand the criteria and you spend time in the Federation, then you're gonna produce the best result possible for the client and the athlete's gonna be really happy with it as well. So I think with any athlete that is you know, frustrated with a decision, whether they agree with it or not, whether they believe they could have had a higher placing, I think that they need to look at their physique and reflect and go, okay, regardless of whether or not I believe in it, what can I do to be better? And you focus on that and then perhaps you should have an off season, perhaps you can focus on those things and then select the show later down the road, once you've made those improvements that you've seen that you could have done you know, for that last show. Take responsibility for your physique and take responsibility for the next physique that you bring to the stage. Okay, so opinions, and this is the not gonna lie question. Opinions on the new WBFF pros at Worlds, it seems much lower than the standard awarded in Australia. So the pros that are awarded in any show are only as good as the level of competition at that show. In Australia, I think a lot of the time, whether it's a Sydney show, whether it's the Gold Coast show, there is a really good level of competition that is at these shows, and therefore, I think the caliber and you know sometimes the ladies there's really top there's a really solid top three. Sometimes there's a really solid top two, and either one of those two ladies could earn a pro card and turn pro at that event. Sometimes there's a really weak class, and you're like, wow, that class wasn't that weak, and there's going to be a pro card awarded. So every show is different, and you never know who's gonna rock up. So at the end of the day, the ladies that did happen to compete at the World Championships in the amateur, you know, in the quest to earn a pro card, they put it on the line and they did the prep and they rocked up. If you, for example, are a competitor and you didn't rock up to the Worlds and you didn't compete to you know, achieve a pro card, that's your fault for skipping the event. It's your fault for not putting it on the line. It's your fault for not dieting that little bit longer and showing up. Because for the ladies that showed up, they were the best on the day, and that's what was rewarded on the day. So we're mixing it up a bit now. We're going back to the IFBB. Do you think Laura Lee's big off-season will pay off for this bikini Olympia? It all depends on how she is brought in. I suppose the level of condition that, that you know really she needs to get into, I don't think really a lot of the time there's a conditioning problem with Laura Lee. I think it's a level of fullness that's needed. So sometimes a physique can be too... Can be, can, can be perceived as too lean, but realistically it's just too flat. And there are a lot of competitors that just don't have a proper peak week protocol or for whatever reason something goes wrong and they, they're a flat on show day because they may not have got all the meals in. Some things happen backstage or they didn't do a proper carb up or whatever the reason, or maybe the metabolism just sped up a lot. So Laura Lee just needs to bring in a package that's very similar to the Arnold. I would personally like to see a better conditioned look than that. I think that if she rocks up the same and you know, some of the other athletes like Maureen comes in a bit tighter. It leaves things open, but the best way to shut the gates is to 
probably bring in a really full look for Laura Lee. I think that she's always brought in a really good level of condition at the Olympia, but probably didn't or doesn't have the fullness. And I suppose always left, I think it's just leaving something in the tank in terms of the fullness, fullness department at the Olympia. And I think if she brings in a fuller package at the Olympia, as she did for the Arnolds, it's going to be pretty hard to beat that package. But it'll be interesting to see how the other competitors come in as well. So Maureen, Jandori, we've got to see what the, you know, the top three look like. We're going to see what Issa looks like. You know, I think Issa has an unbelievable, spectacular front pose. The level of density that she has in that front pose is just gnarly. The shoulder-to-waist ratio, the, just the structure and conditioning and the flow of that front pose is going to be very challenging to beat, but I suppose probably is a little bit light in the rear pose in comparison. So it's just going to be who's the best on the day. And then at the, at the end of the day, prepping for the Olympia, making sure that you rock up and you can perform is probably one of the most underrated skills. Is Laura Lee capable of rocking up and performing and being the best that she's ever been on the Olympia stage because it's the Olympia? I think if there was any other competition, psychologically, if it was just like a Chicago Pro Show, but really it was Olympia, but it was disguised as the Chicago Pro Show, Laura Lee would come in and, and smash it. And I think that Laura Lee is very capable of being a bikini Olympia champion. It's just a matter of, is she gonna execute on game day? And personally, I think she will. So the next question is, how do you approach clients competing at the same time? In brackets, exact same competition, exact same category, etc. So it's all about bringing in the competitor. So let's say for example, there's two competitors in the same category, in the same high class. It's all about bringing, as a coach, for me, bringing in the athlete or both athletes in the best possible way for both of them. So picking them individually, treating them as individuals, making sure that they pump up appropriately to their proportions and ensuring that they are ready to rock on stage. Preparation, ensuring that they're posing really well during contest preparation, adjusting things along the way. So nothing changes, the process is exactly the same. It's just about making sure that each individual is ready to rock on show day. It doesn't matter if they're competing against each other. It doesn't matter if they're competing in separate categories. At the end of the day as a coach, it's my job to bring in these ladies at their best. And that means picking them appropriately, making sure that their tan's on point, their hair and makeup's on point, and they're ready to rock. So I don't look at it from the perspective of if I have two competitors in the same category of one's competing against the other, I'm looking at it from the perspective of you know, how can I get them the best result possible? And of course, a one and two is always a great thing. And, and a lot of the time I've had ladies, multiple competitors compete in the same show. I remember, for example, one year at, at a New South Wales state show in the open class, in the short class, I had first, second, and third in, in bikini. And that has never been done before to have you know, a, a coach um, to, to prep three ladies, first, second, and third in an open class. And I did that at a state show and that was really cool. And look, I, I do want all ladies to win. And some, in some cases, the, it's not gonna happen. Sometimes, you know, you gotta let the judges make the decision. And sometimes you'll agree with that decision, sometimes you won't. And it's just, all you can do is peak the ladies to the best of your ability or my ability. And that's what I try to do. So another question is, when should you stop contest preparation? Question mark. Been feeling sick, vomiting, and overall, uh, overall unwell. Randomly had bloods come back with slight liver issues. So I think if you're going to the extent of feeling really sick and vomiting and you're really unwell and energy's low and you've got some slight liver issues, I think everything requires context. So what are those slight liver issues, right? But outside of the liver, I think some, in some cases, whether you're natural or whether you're not, sometimes in a contest prep, the blood work isn't the best. And that could be slightly elevated liver issues. It could be slight kidney issues. There could be 
something that's elevated. There could be something out of range. Now, I would look at it from the perspective of if you're vomiting and you're feeling sick and you're really unwell, it's a sign that your body's probably not having the best experience. There's a big difference between pushing through pain because you're tired and energy or you're genuinely unwell and to the point where you're feeling sick and vomiting. I don't know how long this has been going on for or if this is just a bug that you might have if you're feeling you know, sick for a few days. But if this is something that's ongoing, I would strongly recommend to reconsider the approach. But of course, I need to understand more context, but this would probably be my advice considering that you don't have some sort of stomach virus or flu, um, but they're vomiting and feeling unwell randomly. If it's on and off, that doesn't sound the best. So I would probably look at you know discussing things with your coach and coming up with a game plan and you might be completely committed to a prep regardless of what federation it is, but have an honest discussion with your coach and figure out a game plan. And um, at the end of the day, we're doing this sport because we wanna enjoy it. We're doing this sport because we enjoy the grind. We're doing this sport because it's very rewarding and fulfilling and we also really enjoy it. We enjoy the grind, we enjoy the process and, and competition's fun, right? But if you're not in a position where you can have fun, if you're not in a position where you're gonna be at your best, perhaps it's a good opportunity to reconsider the game plan, take the time off and compete at a later date when you're feeling healthy and you're in a better position to enter into a contest prep or you're in a better position to continue a contest preparation. So ladies, I'm pretty confident, not gonna lie, just sends random messages that try to prompt people to have a discussion on Instagram. It's like, who did you last text? What, did you watch Harry Potter? And all these random questions. Can any listener just confirm that for me? So the next question is, would you program a prep client the same exercises as your other clients or do you program differently to each other client? So there are certain exercises that I personally like, there's certain uh, exercise orders that I like, there's different intensity principles that I like. I have my favorites, but it depends on the client. So for example, I, I suppose as a general rule, I would much prefer a Smith machine hip thrust versus a barbell hip thrust. So that's an exercise that I would consistently program um, for everyone, unless the client says, hey, Troy, I, I prefer barbell. And in, in some cases, that is true. And in some cases, they might say, hey, look, the Smith machine doesn't go down all the way. So in, in which case, we find an alternative. So there are certain exercises that I think are very beneficial, and I favor certain exercises. Like I love RDLs, I love Bulgarian split squats, but some clients say, listen, I don't like Bulgarian, or I've got an issue with my knees, or whatever the problem is, then you need to create, or I need to create alternatives for those exercises. And then of course, if you're giving someone a program and then the next program, it's like you've got to take into consideration you know, what exercises work well for them. They have good mind-to-muscle connection on certain exercises. Some athletes will like a glute kickback. Some will hate a glute kickback because they don't have a connection. Then it's just a matter of, is it a form issue? A form issue? Is it an issue of execution? Are they doing it well? Or is it an exercise that just doesn't work for them at the moment? So there's a lot of factors that can come into play, but I do have my favorite exercises for sure. And Basics work, you know, so I think a lot of coaches will try to complicate things and do fancy exercises. I think that you can get fancy with tempos. I think you can make things challenging in that regard, but the basics work really well. Like there's certain movements that I believe need to be, you know, foundation movements in a bikini training program. But of course, if you're, if athletes have weaker body parts that need to be brought up, that needs to be addressed in the programming. And that's something that you know, with the experienced bikini eye, I can look at a physique and identify the areas that need to be improved immediately and that would be reflected in their program. Some ladies need rear delts. Okay, cool, let's address that. Some ladies really lack glute needs. Some ladies lack lower glute. And in that case, program will be reflected accordingly. However, those 
issues uh, are really meant for competitors that are probably at a higher level. For the most part, if you're a first-time competitor, you probably need to grow everywhere. And it depends on the level of competitor that you are as well. I think that a lot of ladies need to grow everything and there's certain things that would be beneficial for athletes and there's certain things that wouldn't be because of their level of experience in the gym, the level of muscularity and their level of athlete that they are. So everyone is different, but of course there's gonna be staples that I suppose everyone likes. I know I've got certain clients that really love RDLs more than anything. I've got certain clients that will say, do not give me hip thrusts, I prefer glute bridges. So everyone is different. So another question is, what did you think of the WBFF World's winner this year? So Yaslin came in, competed again second, second time. I think that she's got a very striking look. I definitely think that her posing and stage presence is quite nice. I would personally prefer a you know, better level of conditioning in, in the glute hamstrings, in the legs. That's just my personal taste. I believe that when you've got a level of conditioning that is able to be displayed in you know, all poses, I think it's really important to have a good level of conditioning in every pose. So I think that would be one critique that I would have. I definitely think that you know, regardless of whether an athlete wins or not, there's always things that can be done to improve a physique. And I, I'm a big fan of conditioning and my personal preference and bias is towards condition. So I always look at it from that perspective. What can the athlete do to improve on their package? So another question, is it a wise choice to have a bikini competitor going very lean during peak week or soften them to a point where they lose their line? So look, it depends on the level of athlete. It, so much context is required for this answer. You know, who is the athlete? What do they look like? You know, what type of muscle density do they have? I think having a strict you know, strategy for everyone, a one size fits all strategy for everyone is not a great idea. I think it's important to look at things individually. I do think that the whole concept of, you know, bringing in a competitor too lean for a criteria on purpose is probably stupid. I think you, as a coach, the goal is not to do that. The goal is to bring in a competitor as perfect as you can in relation to condition for the criteria. That doesn't mean that as a coach, you're always gonna get the decision right. It just means that you're gonna do the best that you can based on what you see in check-in photos and check-in videos and really trying to work within the criteria regardless of federation. So for example, we're talking about a lot of WBFF stuff here. I needed to bring in Tani um, a little bit softer. I did that strategically from the Australian Pro Show to the Worlds because that is, was required for the Worlds criteria. If I, for example, wanted to bring in Tani a lot harder, we possibly could have been penalized for that decision. So same thing for the IFBB. It is very clear, and I made it very clear that the IFB in Australia, there's a certain level of condition that certain judges like and a certain level of um, softness that judges like. And I need to do my best to make the decision for the athlete to bring in that, that athlete for the criteria. And working with judges and discussing things with judges, whether I agree with it or not, is what I like to do. And I, at the end of the day, I try to do the best thing for the athlete. So I think that strategically bringing in someone too lean on purpose knowing that they're too lean makes no sense to me because then you're gonna to have to soften them up somehow during peak week and then they possibly, what happens if their metabolism speeds up? What happens if you know you spill them over too much and the midsection goes? It's just not a good idea to do anything drastic. Why would I want to you know, put someone through a contest prep and you know, put them through hell you know, if they need to be put through hell or just be put through all that time and dedication to bring them in you know, outside the criteria to then need to do something drastic in a peak week. I said this so many times, ladies, 
in a peak week, you want to keep things consistent. You don't want to do anything drastic. You don't want to go zero carb. You don't want to have a shitload of water and go nine liters of water, which is absolutely ridiculous. You don't want to be bumping salt and changing salt and potassium levels like crazy. You want to keep things consistent. You want to keep the variables as consistent as possible. You might want to reduce the training intensity. And then you have a carb up process where you look at filling out a physique. Outside of that, you don't want to be manipulating anything. Why would I want to push someone to achieve a level of softness if they're too lean in, in a peak week. I mean, I would want to make those corrections before a peak week. So I think any coach that is actually suggesting that that's a strategy to, to bring in someone too lean for the criteria and then to do something extreme, like spill them over in peak week, it's not the, it's not the wise decision. I would say that's quite amateur. So the next question, were there any girls, this is all not gonna lie questions, were there any girls in season A, 2023, who you thought had good small waist. Do you remember seeing most girls from season A bikini? Okay, so Cynthia comes to mind. I mean, I personally had her winning the, you know, in the overall, I had her winning a pro card for sure. I think she had a great waist. I think Mel had a great waist, who was also in the overall. I really like both of their physiques. For example, there's competitors, you know, in WA that were really good, that had small waists. You can just see on stage. Right, I, like this question to me, I suppose, is hunting for a question or a name, you know, putting a name to, to the question and saying, I believe that this lady has a small waist. But then if I leave someone out, it's like, oh, what about her? Does that mean she doesn't have a small waist? Ladies, you can look at a physique and determine if someone's got a small waist or not. Just as much as you can determine if someone has big glutes or not. You either have big glutes or you don't. You either have shit glute insertions or you don't. Or you have great glute insertions or you have narrow clavicles and you got really poor shoulder development. You might have exceptional shoulder development, but have narrow clavicles and you're not, you're not that wide, right? There's so many different variables that come into play. So look, you can identify if someone's got a strong body part, you can identify if someone's got a weak body part. Look at the physique and determine it yourself. So this question is probably from the same person. Were there any girls in season A this year who didn't place that you thought looked good? I suppose you're talking about ladies that were at nationals that didn't place. I mean, look, not, look, from the top of my head, I would have obviously mentioned it on the nationals wrap up podcast probably. I can't recall that exact podcast and who I've mentioned or who I missed out on. I would need to listen back to it and, and go, oh yeah, that's right, I missed out on so-and-so. So I, I would obviously comment it on the time if someone brought something to my attention and said, hey, Troy, what do you think of this girl's physique? She didn't place at, you know, at nationals in season eight. What is your opinion? What do you think about her? And I'll give you my honest opinion. So maybe ask a more specific question if you're looking for me to address or assess someone. If, for example, you ladies want me to assess someone's physique and say, hey, listen, Troy, what do you think about this person's physique? What do you think about this person's physique? I will honestly critique them. And um, if it's welcomed, I would gladly do that for anyone. So feel free to even message me on Instagram. That doesn't mean that I'm going to, you know, if you want a physique assessment, for example, right? Send me a message on Instagram and I'll critique your physique. Send me some photos and videos, that's fine, I'll do that and perhaps I'll bring something to your attention that your coach hasn't. There's a level of experience and expertise that I have, not just with the results in bikini in Australia, but I've got international experience with pro cards. The only coach in Australia that has bikini pro cards internationally, not in one country, not in two countries, in multiple countries. You know, We're looking at New Zealand, we're looking at Europe, we're looking at North America, Canada. We're also looking at the USA, all over. I have experience in doing that. The only coach that has been able to do that with different judges, with different countries, with you know different panels. And when you've got different panels, sometimes the criteria can be interpreted in a different way. 
I've got that experience. So send me a message. So what do you think about everyone being a online coach these days or bikini coach and posing coaches, question mark. So look, you cannot claim to be a bikini coach if you don't have the results. You can pretend to be, you can pretend to be, but at the end of the day, results matter. How many pro cards have you won? There's none, zero. Okay, you're not, you're not, a, you're not a, you, I wouldn't say that you're a great bikini coach then. I think for example, one thing that is um, quite interesting, there are certain situations where I disagree with the judging. Let's say for example, Cynthia, I believe Cynthia uh, would have won the, if I was judging, I would have given her the nod in the overall last year, or not last year, this early this season. So therefore, I would consider Nay a coach that has won a pro card. Nay is someone that is quite good, right? But because she hasn't got a pro card, does that mean she's a bad coach? No, I think she's actually quite capable and eventually Nay will get one and will get multiple pro cards, for example. However, there are certain coaches that pretend to be bikini coaches that have no diddly shit idea. And the fact of the matter is results matter. And if they're not capable of producing results, AKA multiple pro cards, national champions, etc., then are they really a coach or are they a high level coach? No. Therefore, you cannot establish yourself as an authority. You cannot, or maybe you can have an opinion, but your opinion isn't worth diddly shit in the grand scheme of things because you're not the authority. You're not the leader in the industry. It's the same thing for posing coaching. You have posing coaches out there that have not taught ladies how to pose at a higher level. They have not taught someone that has earned a pro card. And just because you win a pro card, for example, doesn't mean that you can teach posing yourself. It doesn't mean that if your client wins a pro card, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden your client because wins a pro card is a great poser. No, there are certain competitors out there that would like to bang in, uh, would like to cash in, sorry, on the fact that they are promoting that they're a posing coach, but they do not produce great results. The proof is in the pudding. If you pose well yourself, you might be capable, you may be capable or might be capable of teaching to a certain level. But just because you pose well yourself doesn't mean that you're capable of teaching well because it's completely different, right? It's so different from knowing how to move yourself and transition and being comfortable and doing your thing on stage versus teaching it. It's very hard to teach. You gotta be patient. You gotta have a level of experience. You gotta be a good communicator. But I will say this, if you can't even pose well yourself on stage, if you're not even posing well in transition, you, haven't, you can't even hit a front pose. You cannot hit a rear shot without looking like a norm, like with it, <laughs> you cannot. <laughs> You cannot look, you, you cannot actually pose with the rear pose and, and actually look half decent. You're probably not a good posing coach. I mean, you can't even assess yourself. You can't even adjust your own pose. So therefore, you're a shit posing coach. And that's the way it is, right? Next question. So this, these questions are on not gonna lie. Some of these are just random. Do you recommend not studying while on the journey to compete? Absolutely not. I think it's important to study. I've had ladies that have you know, been working towards a degree. I've had ladies that have, you know, participated in exams and who have also done really well with their competition. I think it's very important that competition or competing, the idea of competing is a, it's a hobby. It's not your whole life. Whether you have ambition to be an Olympian one day, whether you have ambition to, you know, win pro shows, whether you have just the ambition to step on stage, it does not take over your life. It is a hobby. It is not something that you want to, put off your life for. And that means also with study. Studying needs to be priority, get the job done. You have your goal, you have your career set up. Uh, I would not sacrifice studying and, and not participating in what you need to do at university 
because you have to compete. No, I've seen ladies um, do both really well. It's just about time management. It's about how much do you want it? And some people may not be able to do that with their studying. Therefore, don't compete if you're studying. Do not compete if it's gonna affect your schooling and if your grades are important to you. You wanna graduate with a, high, uh, with, with a distinction, for example, and you know that it may not be possible if you compete because you're depleted, probably don't compete. So question here is, is there a lightest PED to take? I mean, everything that you take in the, in the, in the PED format has some sort of side effect, right? And I think that if you are gonna go down that road, the least effective dose would be a great idea, taking the bare minimum. And there's so many variables and there's so much context that's included in the PED discussion, like what is the quality of the product that you're using? So for example, even if you were to use something like Anavar, what is the actual potency and quality of the Anavar? Is it dosed accurately? You know, is it actually real, right? And there's so many things that can be looked at. I suppose the lightest PED performance enhancement drug to take, I would say, I mean, look, this doesn't mean that I'm right, but I would say something like clenbuterol, right? Because it's not gonna, it's not gonna all of a sudden make you masculine. You know, it's obviously a fat burner. Does it have issues on the cardiovascular system? Sure. Can it place stress in your heart? Sure. Uh, but I think it's probably, could be considered as one of the lightest to take. Maybe, possibly. Um, other people might have a difference of opinion. That's fine. So I would probably say clenbuterol. If you're looking at starting your first cycle and you have not yet gone into the PD side of things and you have a good source, you could potentially look at using clenbuterol as a performance enhancer. So the next question, again, not gonna lie is rocking it. I'm just gonna read all these not gonna lie questions. How far can you really go in the sport as a natural athlete with great genetics? So I would, I suppose a lot of these questions are based on how far, natural this, natural that, but it's not nothing about worth ethic. It's nothing about the commitment level. I think that all competitors, right, can work harder. There's a level of training intensity that, that they can really go to. There could be a level of belief. It could be their internal dialogue. There's always something that can be done to improve. Your coach needs to be on the same mission as you. There needs to be the same level of effort. There needs to be on the same page, a level of communication, a level of patience, a level of respect, right? And uh, I just think that these questions are just, it's the wrong question, right? It's like, what do you need to do, right? For you as an individual to get the best result possible? That's a better question. How hard are you working? What can you do to improve in your gym performance? What can you do to improve with your level of posing, your level of commitment? If you truly want to be the best athlete possible as a natural athlete, what are you doing to, to be that person? Why aren't you that outlier, right? If you can be a genetic freak, a natural competitor that sets the example and you want to be that example, what are you doing to get there? Are you taking that position? Are you that person? And if you're not, why not? You're just the one that asks questions. So the next question here is, is there such a thing as a fastening metabolism? If yes, how does one do that? So you can build up your metabolism for sure. I definitely, look, for ladies that are interested in, in anything bikini related, you wanna develop your physique, you wanna develop the best physique possible, you want someone that's got an eye and attention to detail, the results, the best results, duh. Talk to me, I'll help you out. Send me a DM. Fastening metabolism, I would talk to you as an individual and say, all right, what are you doing currently? I'd need to look at the specifics of your training, the specifics of your nutrition, how long you've been on the same amount of calories, for example, are you doing any cardio, um, the amount of steps you're doing, there's so many different variables that need to be taken into consideration, but for the most part, if you're slowly building up your food every other week or every week, 
eventually your metabolism is going to be adaptive provided that you are putting in a level of you know, commitment to your training intensity. I always tell ladies, training intensity can be a driving factor for metabolism. If you're pushing it in the gym and you're slowly building up food, you're going to create a really nice metabolism over in the long run. It's not a process that happens overnight. It's something that needs to be taken seriously and you can do that in the off season. So, you know, for ladies that want to build up their metabolism, you can do that in the off season. You just need to have the, the, the right game plan in place. And building a metabolism, building up calories needs to be connected with a program that's designed for the bikini criteria with a proven track record of results, yo. Like stop using coaches that pretend like they know what they're doing. What I will do is, I'm gonna wrap this up. We're gonna do a short and sweet. And what I might do as well is I might post another not gonna lie link. And I'm gonna ask you ladies to go to town. If you have any questions that you'd like for me to go into detail about, questions, topics, let me know. I will talk about anything. And I can do a short format. I can do it in a little bit long format. If you want anything explained in detail, just go ask me something really, um, you know, specific and ask for a detailed explanation and I'll provide detail and context. But the quality of questions, right, will determine the length of the answer. If it's a very basic, vague question, there's not much context I can provide. But if you're very specific in the question that you're asking, I can probably give you a little bit more out of it. So anyway, ladies. So that is a wrap up of episode 82 of the Bikini Podcast. So I hope that you found the questions helpful, inspiring, constructive. And remember, confidence looks stunning on everyone and your bikini is just the accessory to showcase it. Don't forget to tag me on Instagram, review the podcast and let me know what you think. And of course, keep those questions coming because I love hearing from you and I, I sometimes am quite amused at some of the questions. I really enjoy doing this. So until then, thank you for listening. Until next time, stay fabulous. Stay committed, stay disciplined, keep working hard and crush it. And we'll talk on the next episode. Ciao.